What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We're excited to announce that we're now on Amazon Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on all of our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is presented by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on everyone? How we doing? Mike, we're coming off a big week last week. We had a huge guest on, the voice of golf for NBC, Dan Hicks. He was absolutely awesome. If you have not listened to that episode yet, stop here, go back, listen to that episode, and then make sure you come back because this is also going to be another doozy for us. I just want to reiterate that the feedback that everybody sent to us regarding getting a guy like Dan Hicks to come on our show, just to come on, nonetheless, the Wednesday before the players was just unbelievable. You know, as we said last week, Dan's a great guy. He's a great follow. Again, take Ryan's advice Stop this, pause it, go back, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Speaking of not being disappointed, you are not going to be disappointed in today's episode either. Another huge guest for us. We have the famous, the CBS Inside the Ropes reporter and former LPGA Tour pro, Dottie Pepper on. Dottie was absolutely lovely. She was was incredible. It was awesome. Uh, Mike, we've continued to talk about it. I am blown away time after time after time how great the golf community is for us. We chatted about her, her newest book, Letters to a Future Champion, uh, Inside the Rope Stuff. We talked about her nomination for the World Golf Hall of Fame. It was amazing being, you know, we do these on Zoom, but it was amazing being in her presence. It's awesome. So, uh, as I said, again, another case of just the golf community just being awesome and amazing and all those other adjectives that you can use to describe it. Yeah, I mean, listen, some of the stories that Dottie shared about being inside the ropes, um, you know, they're just must-listen-tos. I mean, again, like, those stories are, are ones that we can't, come up with we can't make up and she saw them live them firsthand um and then just her book i mean i and i know you know we talked at at length about her book but for any like anybody that's looking for something to read um especially with the spring and the summertime coming up like listen letters to a future champion you know dotty's time with mr pulver like it's a it's a must read you know there's so many amazing nuggets in there to to just better off yourself and your golf game so seriously go check it out yeah so back to back huge guests for us uh national guests for us so another must listen so make sure you stick around for that this episode mike we're talking on march 15th today and we released our selection sunday brackets last Sunday with Selection Sunday. I'm really excited about this. This was a lot of fun, and, and it's been a while in the works. Uh, we've been doing the, the 21 courses, 21 counties. We did all that research over the winter and, and put that really that enormous list together. And I know some people were, uh, were making fun of us, giving us a hard time about uh, 21 counties, 72 courses, or whatever it was. But that, that ultimately helped us put this list together. So let me, let me give you the scoop here. We released those brackets on Sunday. This episode's coming out on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Thursday, the first day of the NCAA tournament, at noon, we're going to release the North Bracket. 
That'll go from noon on Thursday on our Instagram stories where you guys can vote until it'll expire 24 hours. So that'll be Friday at noon. Then at Friday at noon, we're going to release the South matchups. You'll have 24 hours to vote. That'll go till Saturday at noon. Then we're going to chat about them. We'll recap it. On Wednesday, we'll post the updated bracket, and we'll do the same thing the following Thursday and Friday. And we'll do that all the way for the Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, get all the way to the championship. That's kind of the the idea here. I started with it, and I want to end with it. This is not the top golf courses in New Jersey. I want to put that caveat out there. This is our list from our 21 courses, 21 counties that we put in the random wheel selector. That's how we got our top 16 at both. That's how we got the matchups. This is randomly selected, not our... Mike and I didn't discuss the matchups or the brackets or anything like that. This is all coming from that list. Are some of these courses in the top of New Jersey? Sure. Are some of them, are some of the matchups mismatchupped? Mismatchup? Yeah, we'll go with it. It sounds like a word to me. Sure. Herring Glen and Nishanik probably shouldn't be playing in the first round. But again, it's a random wheel selector that we went with. And, you know, it's, that's, that's how the, that's, the wheel spins. We're going we're gonna to abide by the wheel. So, so that's what we got here. We're going to crown a champion, and I'm excited to. And I'm excited to play the course that is the champion. I'm excited to play all the courses, but I think, I think that's what we'll do. Whoever's champion, that's, that should be our first course for the year. Yeah, listen, I, I, I love the randomness of it, and I know the audience may say they don't, um, but I like the idea that we stuck with our 21 counties and 21 courses because, you know, we spent a long time, you and I, discussing these spots. We brought Orson on, who is probably the, the New Jersey golf guru of playing all these spots. So we did our research and our homework and finding spots that we have not played that we want to play. And then again, when we found the top 32 out of that long list of, of our 21 and 21, the wheel selected where teams played. And listen, it's not going to be for everybody, and we get it, but it's just going to be another fun way to, uh, for us to promote the amazing golf that we have here in New Jersey. And, and obviously, just as disclaimers that we put out that you mentioned, Rye, it's the same thing here with this one. There are some courses that you may look on the public side that you say should be in there. But the reality is that we've played some of them. We're very, very familiar with them. And this is going to lead us right into April 1st when we all can start posting scores, getting on the golf course, and where are we attacking first. And that's ultimately what our thought process is is with it. Um, May it not be the first course we play? Maybe. But that's our goal here. It's like if if Heron Glen wins the whole damn thing, well, we're packing our bags, we're heading north, and we're going to Heron Glen. Like that's that's a thought process here with with all these golf courses, and it, it is going to be an exciting thing because you, the audience, get to vote on Instagram. So again, if you don't follow us, as Ryan always mentions in the beginning, head over to Instagram, pause the episode, type in the drop underscore pod. And then click that blue follow button because, again, that's where all these stories will be posted so you get your votes in. Um, and then that's where we are going to look to head out to play. And, and listen, I, I can't wait. Um, and, again, I guess another disclaimer we could toss in there, right, is that all these places are public. Like, we understand that the privates of the world aren't on here. But no offense, Ryan and I don't have those privileges to go jump on a private <laughs> course whenever we want. It's not, it's not happening, people. So we've got to find the spots where we can get onto, just like the general public. So, again, I think our list is solid. I think some of the matchups that, you know, came out are, are definitely interesting because you probably could see some of these, these courses playing later on in the tournament than first round. Yeah. But sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. And that's what it is. And to be the best, you got to beat the best. So it's perfect. Beat them first or beat them last. Let's see how it goes. You're going to have to, you're going to have to beat them somewhere for sure. Uh, I, again, I mentioned the, the Nishanik Herring Glen. Uh, I think that's an, that's an elite eight matchup at worst, but, it, but the randomness, as you said, I, I like that we did it random. It takes our bias out of there, which some people would, would comment on at the, you know for better or worse and again this is this is I think the I think a fun way to do it 
If we decide if we decide that it sucked next year, we'll change it. I, I got a question for you. What's the question? Talk to me. I got a question for you. I mean, so obviously the bra- the brackets came out on Sunday or today. It's you know it's it's Wednesday of this podcast. Do you have a Do you have a winner? Like who's your Who's your winner? If you look at this bracket, maybe who's your sleeper? Like, give me some give me some insight as to like when you look at this now, and then as we continue throughout this process, because no offense, like. You you can't be taking the Shattuck Valley to win the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. They could get upset first round. So who give me your winner and give me your sleeper because I'm dying to know. Because when the list came out, I know where I my eyes immediately went to. On the winner, who I think is gonna win, and the sleeper that I think just may come out of the woodshed and say, Wham bam, here I am. That bottom corner of the north bracket with Balio and Harry Glenn and Nishanik and Mercer Oaks is a bear. That, the north bracket with Mercer Oaks, Balio, and Herring Glenn and Nishanik in, in the bottom of that is a absolute bear. Whoever's coming out of that quadrant is probably going to make a run. But that doesn't answer your question. It does not. I want to know your winner, and I want to know your sleeper. Because mine are locked in and loaded, ready to go. Are you sick of the same old golf attire, boring shirts, hats, and belts that really don't match your style? Check out Fluke Apparel Company. It's coastal-inspired golf gear. Customers have been raving about the quality and performance of their products from the local weekend golfer all the way to the PGA Tour. Visit flukeapparelco.com and use code DROP to save 20% at checkout. You won't be disappointed. I I wouldn't even mind knowing your championship bracket. Like, who's your championship? Who's in your finals? Who's in the finals? Who's your winner? Who's your sleeper? Like, I want to know. I want to know where you're at. Well, Mike, let's do a little thinking on air here. Let's fill these out and post them so the public has them, so that we can say, "Hey, we're filled out." Having played played Balio and 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 again, I think that's the nicest course of all these courses that I've seen. Again. Haven't seen Skyway, haven't seen Rock Springs, hasn't seen Wild Turkey, and I'm looking at the north, the north bracket currently is up on my screen here. I, I think that, I, again, haven't played Heron Glen. I just, I just think that Bally Owen is going gonna, is gonna to take the cake. I really do. I think it's so good. We've had so many people talk about it. I, I, can't, I can't imagine it doesn't make a run. And again, talking about that bottom bracket, I think that's who's coming out and making the the elite eight from that from that quadrant there. I I'd have to think that it it beats those others in the middle. Maybe Rock Spring gives it a run in the in the final four or the uh, what's that? The yeah, the final four. Maybe maybe Rock Spring gives it a run. That's I think that's my I think that's my north my north final. Rock Spring Owen. Who do you like? You want to break Who's down your the- sleeper? Who's your sleeper? Who can you see like ah oh, maybe they're gonna they're gonna ruffle some feathers here? I kind of want to say Skyway, and I know it makes it seem like it's the number one because it's at the top there. But I feel like it's a little bit of a sleeper because it's it's only nine holes, so it's not a true eighteen hole course. And isn't that the only one on here that's only nine holes? Does that consider it a sleeper? Because we've talked yep. about it so much, and we really want to play it and all that stuff. I don't know if it's a sleeper. So uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. And then I can't speak for like like Galloping Hill make a run, or Mountain View make a run. Both courses I I don't I've I don't know about. I've never played. So I don't know. To define sleeper, I think would be tough, especially in this like in this format we got going on here. But what do you got? Who's your you got you got a Who's your initial thoughts without really giving it a whole lot of whole lot of thought here? And and to, so I, to, I, last, I, last point to you cut know, you off, that's the north. Without even really looking at the south bracket. Yeah, when I when I looked at it, and obviously I'm I am like obsessive in terms of looking at things and breaking it all down. To me, the south is the is the quote, maybe easier of the two. Um because I definitely think the, the, the North can be loaded in terms of some of those 
courses, and I want to call them squads as if they're basketball teams. But, you know, when I start at the South, because maybe I live down here in the South, and, you know, it seems to, you know, the way the wheel worked out, some of these places are more in my neck of the woods. Like, I'm, I'm saying, I think the winner of the South ends up being Ballamore. Okay. And I know people are going to be like, well, that you say Ballamore because last week you said that was your number one public golf course that you played since. Okay, fine. Listen, but when I look at the bracket, I still have to make a selection. To me, Ballamore gets out of the South and they end up winning that side of the bracket. Now, my sleeper in the South side that I think could potentially make a little bit of a run here, okay, is running deer. I think running deer, there's some connections. I think there's a lot of voters that may like running deer that listen to the podcast. Like running deer is my sleeper in the South, but if you're asking me to pick one, I'm taking Ballamore coming out of the South. Now, Hold when on. I head up to the Cause, North. Because I just cut you off. The because North The is, one that I think could make a little bit of a run that I just cut you off for a minute ago would be Riverwinds. And I know that that's contradictory to where, you know, they'd have to beat, beat your Ballamore. But, but that was my, when, when, I had, when I had gone and looked at it, that was one that's gotten a lot of traction, but doesn't get talked about. Like people kind of mention it offhand, or like we haven't really talked about River Winds, but that that's one to me that I think could could make a little run. Yeah. So I and I I totally can see that's another spot that you know there's certain golf holes that people have talked highly about, and you know that is a spot that I know that we've heard a lot about. Now, when I go up to the north, uh, listen, the north, you could go in a gazillion different ways up here um, because, you know, there are, it is a loaded bracket, okay? But I guess if you're asking me who my winner of the, of the north is, I have to take Nishanik Valley. And, and I say that not in a confident way, but I just, I kind of have that gut feeling that you know, the NJSJ is having their public links championship there. We have a lot of people that follow and listen along that are huge Nishanik Valley people. So me being an analytics and a numbers guy, I look at that as part of the equation here. And I got to think as strong as Bally Owen is against them, potentially moving on. And listen, Nishanik Valley, like I just even said, may not even get out of the first round. But as the saying goes, to be the best, you got to beat the best. So if they can get out of their little bottom bracket down there, I think the only challenger, if they can move on after being early, after you know matchups early on, would be Rock Spring. I, I do think again, Rock Spring is a very, very, very popular golf course. Very hard to get on, even though it's public. So again, that that could be another potential, you know, winner from the north. But I'm taking the Shanick Valley as my winner. And my sleeper, my sleeper, listen, I, yeah, again, this I feel is like we'd have to talk so about, like, take the... away some of these. Like, like Darlington, Berkshire Valley, Mountain View, those would be sleepers to me. Like, I, I don't know, like, could you call Rock Springs a sleeper? I have a tough time calling Skyway a sleeper. So no, that's but what I'll I mean. take, like, right. Yeah, my sleeper is going gonna, is gonna to be hybrid chills. Okay. I do. I, 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 think, I think I've come across people that have brought that place up, that have mentioned it. And again, like you said, sleeper in terms of things that we haven't spoken about, hasn't come up a lot in dialogue, like Skyway, like you said, it has. It's high on our list. Rock Springs, high on our list. Heron Glen's on our list. Ballyo and Nishana Fallon. So yes, like these places that people that listen and follow along, they've heard us say on repeat. So my sleeper is Hybrid Chills. And my winner of the North is Nishanik Valley that plays Ballamore in the finals. And I just think that Nishanik Valley carries too much weight for the audience that follows and listens along, that I think Nishanik Valley wins the first ever The Drop Podcast March Madness Bracket Challenge. So I have less balls than you because I'm not going to fully officially announce a winner yet until I start breaking down my brackets and we release them. But uh, You can I, cut that up. You can save it because when it happens, you're going to say, holy <laughs> hell, maybe he's a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> The, the one that I think, I think Rock Spring has a tough first round with Architects. 
and then whoever they get in the second round. But then I do think they cruise after that. If if that's if Rock Spring can get out of the first, if they can get into the second weekend, I think I think Rock Spring is making it to the finals of the North. I think that's the that to me is the course. Like if you look at if you look at those down south ones, like you say Highbridge Hills, like I think that's a if you're saying Highbridge Hills is getting to the second weekend, I think that's a tougher one than the Tamarack Mountain View Darlington Berkshire Valley that Rock Springs would have to get to. So I think if Rock Springs or whoever it is up there gets out of the like that top quadrant and that bottom quadrant of the north, uh, I think the top quadrant has the easier second weekend. Yeah, listen, it's going to be an exciting thing. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what people vote on beginning tomorrow. Um, because, listen, I know you mentioned this before to other people that this time of the year is one of your favorite times of the year with March Madness. And, and you know, I get it, the hoops thing, but now we can even toss a little golf in there, too. I mean, I mean, God, I can only imagine go. what your life's going to I can only imagine what your life's going to be like from Thursday to Sunday, whether it's scrolling through Instagram, whether it's sitting on a couch watching a game. Like, man. Oh, God. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. What a weekend for you. Yeah. What a weekend for you. I know. Just do it. Real simple. Go vote. Uh, Starting tomorrow, Thursday. We need you to go vote. Get on there. Get on Instagram. The one course will be on top with its name. One course will be on the bottom. You click on the one. Pretty simple. And then, as I said, to start this, we'll announce it. And, and again, get out and vote. Show out, for your, show out for your course. Show out for your area. Show out for New Jersey golf. We need, you to, we need you out there and voting. Mike, the last time we talked, the PGA didn't announce the new, new stuff for next year yet. But, they, but since then... They've announced that they're going to have some events next year that are elevated with no cuts. And it got me thinking, on this show, we haven't officially given our thoughts on Live yet and how the PGA Tour, I guess, is reacting to Live. So I thought that we should take some time to do that. So I'll start. I'm not a Live guy. I don't, I don't like... The idea of where the money's coming from. I don't like that they poached people to defect over. I don't really like the... Maybe it's not that I don't like it. I don't understand the format of the teams as much as some other people do. So that that doesn't really... You know, I'm a little wishy-washy on that. I'm just not... I'm not really interested in Liv. It's not doing it for me. The PGA Tour is the PGA Tour for a reason. The changes, however... I think have been good for the PGA Tour, and I think we're needed. Again, given a base salary, you know, quote unquote salary, if you enter a tournament, you're getting five grand to to be there. I think that getting some of these elevated tournaments where there's significantly more money, I think, is needed. Uh, I think that that some of those kind of things were good. The PGA Tour is going to have some no cut events. And for me, that's becoming a little too livy, and I don't that I, I'm not a huge fan of. It's it's not again. I'm pro PGA Tour, and and I I like that they made some of those other changes again, getting money to players and and that sort of thing. But the the no cut events are a little, I don't know. At, at first glance, I don't really like them. So those are kind of some of my initial thoughts here. Uh, what what are your some initial thoughts? So, I mean, I guess my point with the whole thing is like, listen, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of kind of Liv's thing. I, I mean, I guess there is some part of me that is a traditionalist with the, you know, golf is 72 holes and the 54 hole thing just doesn't interest me. I get it that they're trying to emulate a lot of things that, you know, F1's doing with a team type stuff. But uh, for me, it's just not my cup of tea. Like it's, it's not, you know, the guys that are on there were very drama-centric guys and I know that we all dive deep into that we all like the drama we live for the drama um but you know no offense when Brooks is going out there and and not making cuts out on the Asian tour it's kind of like well you know really is he even playing that well um and I think it showed in that Netflix series that like Brooks is a guy that needs that motivation and competition day in and day out and I think when things are a little stagnant you know it shows that he just doesn't have it 
So to me, like, you know, I'm not into the live stuff. I, you know, I don't even know if there's times I know who wins or when they play or where they play. But when it comes to the PGA Tour and some of the changes they made, listen, I know that they're controversial in some of them in terms of what they're doing and how they're doing it. And like you said, it's kind of, it can mirror a little bit of what Liv is doing to some extent. You know, do I like the, the only thing I guess I have a hard time, like yourself, is the cut thing. Like, I'm okay with paying them more money and I'm okay with um, designated events and things like that. I'm fine with it because like a lot of things in life, it's a meritocracy. Like you you work hard, you're one of the best in your business or your craft, you get paid the most money. I mean, if you don't like that, I get it. But guess what? My, my response to you is go work harder, go grind more, go figure it out. Because so there's like a reason why Rory's top three in the world. Like we had this discussion a couple weeks ago and we were talking about a guy like Joel Damon. Like he clearly just doesn't want it as bad as a guy like Rory McIlroy. It's that simple. So like, why should I be appealing to what Joel Damon does because no offense we're not turning on the TV to watch Joel Damon down the stretch but if Rory's playing we're all glued to the TV so to me like I I get it the no cut events may be the one dicey thing but in terms of the payouts like or designated events like I want to watch the best guys play come down a stretch on Sunday so I mean I'm not against it I'm not against the changes anytime that we can get the best golfers in the world on the same course playing more against each other I'm all for so whatever that entails, I, I support. And if you don't like that, because you may be James Hahn of the world, my solution, go play better. Go play better. And I know some people may not like that, but it's kind of how the world operates, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so moving into this week, the PGA Championship was this weekend, and it was, I was glued to it, Mike. It was on all weekend in my house, and even if it was just background noise while I was cleaning the dishes or whatever. But that course showed as well as a golf course could. I guess I've just never really thought about it. It was stunningly beautiful. Really amazing views. It was nice to see a guy like Tom Hoagie attack the course on Saturday. And it was, fire to 62 was playing some golf, especially for a guy that had to make the cut in the morning. He, He talked in his interview about how he was, scheduling plane rides to to leave that day like he uh, shot 78 in the first round he was right he was 62 yet round three he was i think going into sunday he was six under and he went 10 under on saturday i mean it was just crazy so uh, i it it, listen to piggyback that real quick and not only a guy like tom doing tom hoagie doing it how he did it he did it in front of Justin Thomas and Shane Lowry. So it wasn't like he was playing like with two journeymen who don't know what the hell they're doing either. Like he's playing with two big time names in a game of yep. golf. Uh, so I, I, again, w- when we're recording this, we don't have the winner yet, but it, it looks like it's going to be a great Sunday. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to be a really a great a, a great finishing here with uh, with some guys chunked at the lead, top of the leaderboard. So uh, maybe we could do a little. A little bit more of a recap next week. But I do want to give a shout-out to Brian, who runs the account from the Drop Zone. Uh, he's got a blog. He got to play TPC Sawgrass and talks about his experience there. So so if you haven't, go give Brian a follow at From the Drop Zone on Instagram. Uh, he's got a post of his blog up there and certainly worth a, worth a read. Give little bit more insight from someone who's played it if you haven't played it yet. I think it's pretty cool. Brian's also running a golf tournament. Uh, it's at Nishanik. It's the first year, the inaugural Parkway playoff. If you haven't or you're if you haven't heard or you're interested in playing in something, he's he's um, trying to do a little Ryder Cup style New Jersey golf thing. Again, it's on his Instagram page from the drop zone. Go give it. Go get him a follow. Go check it out. Um, certainly going to be a fun event that they're uh, that he's got hosted there. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's first off, it's at a golf course that who wouldn't want to go play? Okay, so first of all, it's that. Second, it's an opportunity for people in New Jersey all to get together to network, socialize, get to know each other a little better. It's a little eighteen-hole competition. It's North Jersey versus South Jersey again, based on who signs up. 
It's nine holes of scramble. It's nine holes of a four ball. He has a couple contests with closest to the pin. Um, and everything will take place on, on Saturday, May 13th. So I know registration is open. Um, I, I know that, he, you know, it's not filled. So there's plenty of opportunities. And I know it, it costs $125 to participate. He gets You get 18 holes of golf. You get a cart, live scoring, awards for the winners. You get a tea gift. Um, so listen, it's, it's going to be an exciting day for everybody in the state to kind of get together, to go out and play. So again, as, as, as Ryan said, go check him out. His name is Brian. He runs the account from the drop zone. Good dude. Go give him a follow. All right, that's all for us today. As I started the pod with, we got Dottie Pepper on. I think Dottie speaks for herself. She's a huge name in the world of golf, not just women's golf, but but again, she was up for the World Golf Hall of Fame. This was her third time on the ballot. This is not a small, not a small get for us. So make sure you stay tuned, give it a listen, and enjoy. See you next week. Dr. Mike Pamakala at Sports Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. A Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner, Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let dysfunction disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportsolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. Okay, so today's guest, I mean, man, we are we lucky to have someone like this on. We have none other, none other than the CBS lead on-course reporter, Dottie Pepper. 17 official victories on the LPGA Tour, two majors, um, a finalist for the World Golf Hall of Fame that just came out a few weeks ago. And, you know, we're fingers crossed that next week or this coming week, I should say, when the announcement comes that her name is on that list. So for us, it's it's a perfect time and a lucky, lucky time for us to have someone like like this on here. So, you know, Dottie, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. I, I look forward to to kind of going through your your hit list. But th- yeah, thank you for the introduction as well. This will this will be fun. I mean, I, I have so many questions for someone like you. And I think one of the things that Ryan and I have started to dabble more into is more on the LPGA tour in terms of like they've had so many events here in New Jersey specifically that you know we've been fortunate to connect with some of their communications directors and some of their tournament hosts about getting to events specifically like in conversations to get up to Upper Montclair for the Cognizant Founders Cup so that we can you know give everybody an opportunity and even a platform not only to for us to showcase the good golf courses here in New Jersey, but also to connect with some people that may not get the platforms that some of the guys do. So, you know, we're excited about that as well on our end. Well, it's a it's a particularly powerful um, time for women in New Jersey on the LPGA schedule this year, in and around the Met section in general. Um, just a variety of amazing golf courses, and and their time has come, and to have. Cognizant event, um, Michelle Wee's event at Liberty National. You've got the women's PGA at at Baltusrol. Um, you got the shop right at Sea View. Exactly. So yeah, it's go on and on. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think that Ryan and I have mentioned. Like, it's nice to see at least the LPGA Tour is taking advantage of the amazing golf that we do have here. Because on the men's side, it's they kind of dabble in and out, but it's nice to see that the ladies have have made it more or less a home in terms of their tour and their events. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was even uh, when I, when I was playing, there was always a consistent representation of the state of New Jersey on, on the schedule. And I think going back to maybe the golden lights championship, (laughs) and then, you know, had the event at Hamilton farms and, and the USGA has, has been very good about bringing women's championships as well. Um, you know, there was, God, there's been Curtis Cups at, at Somerset Hills. I played in a girls' junior there. 
uh, it's women's opens that have rolled through at Plain, Plainville, uh, Plainfield, and it, it's just, it's, it's I, I would say, speaking the USGA terms right now, it, it's become an anchor. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, for people like us, rightfully so, yeah. because I think we've said it multiple times, um, the courses and, and the venues that we have here in the state are just second to none, but let's get a little bit into you and your background. Um, Obviously, before I dive deep into the book, you know, I, I do kind of want to put this out there to the audience that, you know, if you don't know, Dottie has, has written a book called Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver. If you head over to DottiePepper.net, um, you can get the book there. You can read it. And I can't lie, some of the stories that you told in there from your beginning to, to the end in terms of your LPGA Tour career, and, and just talking to Mr. Pulver are unbelievable. And, and, I, and I truly said this to Ryan after I, after I was fortunate to connect with you and then I listened to the book, I listened to it for five straight hours in my drives back and forth to work. And I think having what I like to refer to people like that as like wise old owls, mm. just willing just willing to like give you their time and wisdom, I think goes a long way. So like, why don't you tell us a little bit again for the audience to kind of hear your story? Um, some of the story, you know, I, listen, I got, I got notes here. I got notes upon notes from the book that I just was taking, listening. I, I thought was just amazing. But why don't you give a little bit of the audience your background? Well, you just pitched my book better than I possibly could. So well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, um, you know, from the 30,000 foot level, it was my, my COVID project, trying to do something positive in a, in a pretty negative space of time. And, and I mean, you guys know, New, Jer New Jersey, New York, uh, they, they shut us down pretty hard and locked us down for a, for a very long time. So it was my, my goal was to come out with an immune system that was, was better um, <laughs> and do something, you know, the idea about doing a book had been percolating for a while but you know when your husband's a golf historian and you know you kind of take what he says about the potential for all this content and the way it could be put together and you just kind of go yeah right whatever you're very biased <laughs> well then I had the time so uh it was you know putting a new router in the basement and coming up with a, a format a plan to try to share these letters that my teacher shared with me because it wasn't a, a relationship that was just about golf and it wasn't a relationship that was just on the practice tee or um, sort of downloads after competitive successes or, or failures. This was a, a relationship between a type A overachieving youngster um, that didn't have a whole lot of resources and a retired PGA professional who ha had just lost his wife and it literally did from soup to nuts what any PGA professional has done through the course of, of that great job and beyond. So it, Mr. Pulver was not only just a, te a teacher, but a very, very good player, an architect, an agronomist, club maker, uh, you name it, he he did it and did it with, with the greats of the game and influenced from and influenced people in the game. Uh, so, you know, I, I was it dumb luck? Was it, I, I don't know, a greater hand on, on my shoulder saying, you know, th this is this is your plan. I, I don't know. But uh, our, our paths collided until he passed in, in 1986. And I had this compilation of all of these letters that he had written me. And when I started going through a lot of the things that his family had left me after he passed, including books and articles and newspaper clippings, all that, I realized um, that he had saved every letter that I wrote to him. So cue the, cue the flood. Yeah. <laughs> doing something really, really struck, um, impactful and, and something that can be shared, hopefully in a, in a pretty evergreen manner. And it was um, just, it's a relationship that still continued because I hear from his daughter, Madeline, the, the, one, the only one left now uh, on, a, on a very regular basis. And she still does for me what he did for me was sending me clippings and things I need to be reading. So she's my source from the Washington Post that are all things live golf and women, anything <laughs> golf wise, she's clipping it out and anything sport and modern society, she's clipping it out and sending it to me and they're in my mailbox. So delivered in the same manner that her dad 
delivered uh, the messages that that I got and continue to use every day that I'm in the game. That's yeah, so, I mean, go ahead, Ryan. I was just gonna say that's so sweet. Everybody needs that, like Mike said, that wise old owl to kind of. They've been through a whole lot of stuff. They need someone to be there for them. That's that's sweet that you would keep his letters, but even maybe even sweeter that he would keep yours too. That that's a nice thing to hear. Yeah, I I think when by the time you you go through the whole relationship with with the family, I think I, I became their fourth kid really, and and I just happened to be in Saratoga, and his and his other kids were gone, so uh, I may have been much younger. I mean, my dad played played little league baseball with George Pulver Jr. Uh, so there's there's certainly an age gap, but I think it, it fit the time of his life. And it, it certainly, to, to my great blessing, fit that time in my life as well. I think, I think I mean, listen, I, I could probably talk to you end on end about the book in terms of my notes here. But I guess I what I always liked or kind of had a question, my question was like the why. He always would put at the end of the letters like, no response needed. And I always laughed at that because I'm always like, well, what if you did have a response or you had a question about something? And he'd always phrase it as that last PS, you know, and then PS, tell mom and dad I said hello. Yeah, like, no, no reply it was, expected or no reply necessary. Yeah, um, and it's to me, it's perfect because it always is like, you think about like the older generation, like I can see my grandfather saying that. Like, yes. don't need a response, Mike, but tell mom and dad I said hello. It so perfect. It sounds like a I conversation like, we would have in yeah. person, yes. Yeah. And it always amazed me that he, it always ended that way. But like, I guess, why not have a response? Well, I guess I did because he had all those letters that I wrote back. <laughs> I, <guess so. laughs> so I didn't yeah. follow directions then and I don't, I don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that always stood out to me as always like the caveat to like when I'm listening to the, the letter being read, I'm like, there he goes. Like, I know what's next. I don't, I'm not even involved, but I know what's next. I thought that was comical. And and I think one of the things that always stood out to me about listening to the book and I always I'm a listener in terms of books. I, I don't get to read them as much unless it's the summertime. But I always liked how he said. And I think this is important for junior golfers, you know, boys and girls that listen to us and they, you know, will get random DMs from high school kids or college kids. But I think one of the things that he always said is like, dominate your area, like dominate close. There's no reason for you. If you can't win in that 300, I think I remember correctly, my notes say the 300 miles yeah. within your home. If it's not in that area, there's no need for you to step outside, like dominate home. And I thought that resonated big time. Yeah, and I, and I think you can extrapolate that out to what you would say win at every level too. So if mm -hmm. you're if you're playing peewee golf, if you're playing junior golf, if if you are uh, playing junior uh, little league, I, I don't think it's just golf centric either. I think it's look. There's a lot of money in youth sports. Uh, he would cringe at what what has happened to youth sports right now because he he would he would see it as a sacrifice of a childhood and not giving kids a chance to be fully rounded by the time they have to really dig in and do I do I really love this do I have what it takes to play at the level that maybe get a college scholarship um, absolutely yeah I, I think he would really be disturbed by by a lot of it because he he believed that the, the whole person was going to be one that would stay in the game and do other better bigger things than just hit a golf ball and, and I think a lot of his letters talk to that about being curious about other things, about stepping away from the game when you felt like you were getting a little crispy. Uh, when, you know, he would encourage me as you read in the letters, just go to the pool, go with your friends. This is not a physical thing. You're mentally fried. Go leave it away for a while. And I think there's such a push now um, that you see people when they leave it, they really leave it. You have people that, that's, you know, they, they, hit their last college golf ball and they're never going back to hit anymore again. So I think it was a cautionary tale from him that the game has so much to give for, for so long that don't, don't burn it so hard that, that you can't be in the game for a really long time. I think that's so important. Like you said, with youth sports these days, like there's so much of the specialization and quite frankly, I, f I feel like more injuries happen from there, like because you're you're not working the other muscles that doing something like throwing a baseball or or catching a pass for a football or whatever else you might be doing. 
builds those other muscles that that need to be the contradiction to what you're typically doing. Yeah, so so two things on that. You'll notice in the book he tells me because I'm right hand dominant. Uh, he would tell me to do the simple things during during the day left handed, so that it built that balance, so that it wouldn't be a repetitive um, overuse injuries. It just build balance in in your in your whole your whole physical being. But I think too, there's something to be said for the multi sport athlete that also not mixes just uh, individual sports, but also team sports. Um, my dad played baseball at the highest level. He was, you know, he, he played major league baseball for the Detroit Tigers, but he also, uh, he was a phenomenal skier, but he was speed skater as well. Um, and, and played basketball. So there was, you know, so there was this, this beautiful blend. Um, unfortunately, you know, my dad came through most of it. And I think the worst he got beat up in baseball was when somebody spiked him coming, coming hard at first base and his foot happened to be on the base and, you know, the old cleat went right through. Um, so there's, um, I, I think there's just lots of lessons that when you, when you put money in the sphere and use sports in it, boy, some things, they just get kind of wonky, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think even just by, you know, and I say this because even as a golfer who loves to be competitive and try to be as good as I can, like, I was not even involved in what you had gone through. And I have notes and like tips about like start back slowly. I felt like that was something that he reiterated often. so often. And when you think often, and a lot of the letters that, that I've listened to were like simply like left hip to the target. Like I feel like a lot of things that he said can resonate with so many golfers as is. Forget about someone like Dottie Pepper who's on a completely other level than Ryan and I. But like even not taking those lessons with him, like there's so much like valuable nuggets that you can grab and steal from him and then apply in your own golf. I, I hope it's that way because I, I, I look at guys on the PGA tour now, especially, you know, we've seen a lot of Max Homa lately. And I see a lot of things that Mr. Pulver talked about in the way Max Homa approaches the game, the way he swings the golf club and his temp, his tempo was phenomenal and it's slow on the way back. He's never in a hurry to deliver um, the change of direction it definitely leads with his left hip down. And if you watch him before a round, he's hitting all those different shots that Mr. Pulver talks about not being able to just hit one shot in practice. To the, so you, you keep it fresh and that whatever you come across in competition, you've already done in practice. So uh, yeah, that was, it's pretty classic case of, you know, a, a guy, Max Holman hasn't read my book, but but I, I see. Oh, you Mr. don't know Holman. that. You don't know that. No, I mean, you're right. I don't know that, but I, I would be willing to put a pretty good show to change on. <laughs> I, I just. He's I, active on Twitter. Let's ask him. That's right. <laughs> I'll give you the book. Yeah. <laughs> it, it um you, you see things that they things that he talked about. I see trigger my recall um in in players of today. Yeah, I mean, and and I I I love the fact he never canceled. You know, you guys were oh, you know, he was always God, out we there. Hit ball, and we like... hit balls in some bad weather. And you see him. But that that's yes, good. No, reminding me. That's that's great preparation. It, totally, because we don't play golf in a dome. And he reminded me, you know, getting to the tee uh, unhurried and to be sure you um, understood that the golf ball is not going to fly when as hard or fly as far when it was cold, and your muscles are probably going to be not as warm and limber. So taking all of that and putting into, into the computer. And one of the ones I loved was, do you have a good umbrella? Do you have an extra towel? <laughs> all of those things, because you don't want mother nature being the one that casts the die. You want to be able to control the things that you can control. And your preparation, according to him, was one of the things you could absolutely control. Yeah. And listen, I, I like I said, I probably could keep grilling you about the book itself because I, I think for the audience, I think no matter what, like, go listen to the book, go read the book. I kid you not, it is unbelievable. And I sit here, I, I swear, I could probably just continue from the beginning to the end about like how you were a sponge and how your sister caddied for you and how, you know, Mr. Pulver took you on four days before his wife passed. Like, the book is an unbelievable read. And, and for any like golf diehard that, you know, Ryan and I connect with, like, 
go check the book out. Go read the book. It's it is I can't lie like a truly great. Yeah, we read. had um, uh, there were lots of learning curve stuff going on to self publish a book because you had all of the you have to make a lot of decisions when you're when you're going to do a book and and one of them is the design element uh, right down to the font. Um, the weight of paper you use. And I kept coming back to after been given all of, uh, not all of his golf library, but so much of it. Uh, what were the books that he definitely, I saw marked up most in the margins. What, what were the feel and look of those books? And they were heavier paper. They had a simple font. They were done in a darkish gray. So I tried to, I tried to make that, those sorts of decisions uh, based on what I knew he liked in those books. And it needed to it needed to feel good. And, and the thing that I will never ever forget is the big truck coming up with the first shipment, and there were 750 hardcovers in the leather bound combo. Uh, there was uh, 250 of those, so that's 500 books. So 1,250 books come falling coming out of this uh, off this truck. And the next thing I'll never forget is opening the first box and the smell. It smelled good. So those are the things that I thought he would have appreciated. That's so cool that you had that much forethought into it. That's awesome to hear. It was that's I, really cool. It was I had a, a wonderful editor that was actually set up the the con the connection with him was actually set up by the the middle daughter the middle daughter of the Pulver kids. Uh, she's still alive, still living in and around DC. The one, the one that sends me all the clippings. So she had had a friend who published with this company, did a self published. Uh, project the editor I pitched it to the editor and he said normally I would send this on to someone else in the company he said but I want to do this so he asked me the right questions so I could make the right decisions because he 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 was into the project probably as much as yeah. I was yeah that's awesome that's awesome that's so cool so yeah so let's let's dive into a little bit like of today but uh, right I want to throw this interesting tidbit out there so Dottie won the Shoprite LPGA Classic. Do you know where she won it? Was it? I mean, it's at Seaview. It was not. Was it on the Pines? It, it was. She, no, it was. She, it was not at the oh, time. So I, didn't I know did. That. I did some research, but I did see that when they started the tournament, it was Correct. at Seaview. But then it switched over to Sands, and then went to Great Correct. Bay, and Dottie won it in '96 at Great Bay. Two years before it went over to CV, where That's it is exactly now. Right. Okay. It was, um, it was definitely uh, weather impacted. It was about the time I realized I needed to ditch my contact lenses and get my eyes lasered because we were finishing <laughs> late, late, and whatever reason, um, my the light flat light was always a, a real problem with with contact lenses for me at the end of the day. So uh, that win in '96 was instrumental to three years later after chickening out twice to getting my eyes done <laughs> but it was it was also a really important week because i had pulled the plug on my season in 96 uh about a month earlier i was hitting it bad i mean no confidence it's time to go home and find it in the dirt and hit balls to your hands bleed some kind of thing and i did just that and i had one in rochester the week prior and then came down down to New Jersey and won Shoprite um, there as as daylight was definitely waning that Sunday afternoon. And my godmother was actually in in the gallery. And we have a picture. Of, I got the trophy was given. Uh, the presentation was in the media room because there was no daylight. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it that late because of was there a weather delay or slow play? No, or, it was, okay, it was okay. weather. And the great thing was I was traveling with my dog most of the time. And we were staying in the residence inn right across the street. So I, I was able to go straight across the street, get my feet up, get away from golf, get him walked real quick before we had to go back and resume play. And it worked out famously. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I saw that and I was like, I, I, that's a great trivia question, Rod, yeah, because I, I, I knew that everybody yeah. would instantly say Seaview, but I, I had to toss it out there. I had to toss it in there. Um, so let's talk about like what you do today. Um, because as being golf fiends that we are, like I listen, I watch, I hear the calls, like what's it like being on the course with these men and women, like they're just so good. 
like, because I always say, like, golf is so hard. And when you get to see these guys out there, like, what is that like? Fortunately, in my position, I see mostly really good golf. Now, I, I, I can, I've seen some pretty bad golf late on Sundays or late on Saturdays in that last group. But by and large, where I am now, being the last walker, I see a lot of really good golf. I think it's cooler because you realize it, it, you're seeing nearly perfect golf in an imperfect game. And that, that we see, you see a lot of really amazing shots under extreme pressure. But I also think I wouldn't trade my job. I wouldn't trade my job with Jim Nance. I mean, I actually get to live. I mean, I'm, I, can, I can feel it. I can touch it. I can smell it. It's all right there in front of me. I'm not locked away in a tower. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's about the best job. Now, you know, when it's blowing 25 and pouring down rain, I might, I might think that's that I thought. <laughs> but by and large, I, I think I've got about the coolest job there is in all the game. But it's, it's interesting to see some players that you know are going to thrive on it. If you've been to the range and things don't seem quite right, or in the instance where Hideki won at um, an Akron at Firestone a few years back, I watched him hit balls. I didn't think the guy was going to break 80 and he went out and shot 63 or 64, but it was absolutely masterful. So, you know, you can take it for a grain of salt, it, you know, so, and Mr. Pulver did, did say that in the week in the book that, you know, sometimes that warm up is just not indicative of what the day's going to look like. So don't freak out about it. Mike and I were both basketball players and I can, I can tell you the same thing. A lot of times pregame, if I wasn't shooting well, it, it usually turned into a pretty good game for me. Yeah. I, my, my mother went out playing match play as a kid. Um, she was always very anxious when I won the first hole. So there you go. Interesting. Yeah. The block strong. Well, she wasn't exactly sold on the fact that the day was going to end. <laughs> if you want to watch some bad golf, we can go out and play some time, and I can help you out with that. I <laughs> 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 can go put a video on my own swing right now and watch some bad golf. I, I doubt that. I, I'll, we can send you a video. We'll send you a video of what a bad swing looks like. Um, but I mean, the stretch that you guys have were able to get out there on the West Coast, um, some of the finishes. I mean, yeah. again, I'm I'm that I'm that guy sitting at the on the couch, just like, oh my God, can you believe this? Or can you, it's just like John Rom, for example, was an absolute monster. Yeah. So I mean, you think about the the, the winners that we had. So you know, Rom's coming off two wins. By the time we get to San Diego, Homa comes screaming from behind on well, Saturday because we finished there because of the AFC Championship on at Torrey Pines. And then we go to Pebble. Or two weeks, I'm sorry. We, yeah, we went to Pebble. Uh, we got to spend another day at Pebble. Bummer. Okay, great finish there. Um, we got Scotty Scheffler to finish at the top of the leaderboard again in Phoenix. Rom's right there in the last group. And then Rom comes through again in in at Riviera and Tiger's part of the story going into the weekend. He's actually got a tea time. So yeah, it was, it was pretty remarkable. I, and I think scary to say, I don't think Rom has played his best golf yet. Wow. He, he, he hasn't driven the golf ball. Like I know he can drive the golf ball yet. Uh, his iron play has been spectacular. His putting has been everybody's needed to make he made to continue momentum and then just go on the tear, be in position to, to really go on a tear. I don't think he's driven the golf ball yet to match up with those two parts of his game. Can we get a story of yours on course that you, that resonates more so than many, maybe other stories that you can just think back if it, about your career. Like when I covered this one, it was like, Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I'll tell you a COVID story about it, it was, it was uh, John Rahm at the Memorial. When after 54 holes, he had whatever the, the five shot lead or something like that. And then, and I'm on my way back. I'm, I'm actually in the cart on my way back to up the 18th fairway. We just wiggle inside. So, because there were people around then. So it was, we were allowed a few fans, I think with maybe a limited access in 21. And I, there's a monitor that that's with me the whole time. And I look over it and I'm, I'm hearing us go off the air. And then I'm looking at John Rahm and something doesn't seem right. So I opened up the talk back to the producer and I said, Seller, something's not right. Do you want me to go back up there? And he said, yes, get your butt back up to scoring. Well, they won't let me in scoring because it's a closed situation with the PGA Tour and their COVID policies. But starting with COVID, I, for the first time, got an iPhone watch. 
And I hate it because I think it's just a little too much that like the big brother thing knows where you are all the time. But I wore it then because I was getting information. You couldn't have people with you and around you. So you're getting information from the trucks via, via text message. So I've got this phone and my phone goes off. I couldn't even tell you what the phone number is to my iPhone watch, but the whole system with the data worked and that phone rang and I saw it was Laura Neal who is the head of communications for the for the PGA tour. Well, she was she came up through the LPGA at the same time I did. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I guess I better answer this. So I, Laura, what is it? And she goes, John Rahm just tested positive for COVID. He's gonna have to be, he's gonna be withdrawn from the tournament. I said, can I go with that live on the air? She said, absolutely. So I opened myself up live on the air and ran with that. And it was I mean, it took me a while to get to bed that night because it was such a big deal at that time. When someone tests positive in the middle of the tournament, they're automatically withdrawn. There's there's no no chance. I, I guess they did take a second sample, but uh, there was no question that he had tested positive. And it was just, you, you, you go through these um, hits of adrenaline and then it, when it evacuates your body, it's just, there's some, nothing left. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I'm, I remember that. I do. And that that was one of those unfortunate things that you're like, you can't. You, I mean, you got to put an asterisk next to this. Yeah. I mean, this guy yeah. was rolling. He was rolling, clearly was on pace. Yeah. Someone at his level is not going to blow up. No, well, I, I should say it. Yeah. Five so shot I'm not lead. Say he's not shooting worse than 72 that next day. Unless so. someone goes <laughs> extremely you would, you low. I think so. Right. So, yeah, those are those. Those kind of things that your 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 instincts go one direction, and then your brain is telling you slow down, slow down, slow down, so you can process this, and then you have to you have to make the decision to go or not. And it was definitely a, a go situation for sure. Yeah, Dottie, over the over the course of your career, again, you had a successful playing career and now commentating career. I I don't know if you consider yourself this way, but I would call you a pioneer in both. Golf, women's golf as both a commentator and uh, as a player. Do you, do you feel like your contributions to golf are more important in one of those? And maybe not more important, maybe not the right way to put it, but like, do you have a feeling either way of like, I've made a bigger impact in this or that? I don't, I don't think so, but I, I would say if, if I could at the end of my time doing this and certainly my time as a player has passed, if I could have, emulated or copied or had some of the impact that Judy Rankin had as a player and as a commentator, then I've been one lucky son of a gun <laughs> uh, to, to have played that many, many years on tour. Now that I've been in television talking about golf longer than I played as a professional on tour. Uh, this is that I, I'm just coming. Well, it'll be coming up on 20 years here quickly. That, that happened fast. So I, I don't, Time is a real SOB, isn't it? Yeah, and then, it is. <laughs> now, um, the Bentley doesn't start up quite as quickly as it used to. And again, going back to your book, she was your mentor. She was definitely one of my mentors. No, no question about it. And a very good mentor. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and continues to be. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, looking ahead, Augusta's right around the corner. Like, when you step foot on Augusta, for someone, obviously, two guys that have never been there, but we can see the colors from the TV screen, like, give us a little bit of what that's like. It, it's almost a little too perfect at times, just because the, the colors are so consistent. And then there's these big pops of, of a, a lot of pink, a little bit of yellow, and then there's this one particular dogwood that's out there, or an azalea, oh, I'm sorry, it's an azalea that's down buried behind the second hole that's bright orange and it doesn't have a soft petal. It's it's almost like a firecracker. So those those are the things I like looking around to see. You know, we all know that they have, you know, every hole has its name, but when you get down in, in th those particular corners of the golf course there's there's some pretty amazing things that you can't see from a camera and that i always make sure at some point during the week i go down to the left of number two because those azaleas are there and they're so different and there's also going over to the par three there uh behind nine there's a, a bank coming up to the cabins and it looks like um 
a veil of, of soft yellow and they're called Lady Banks roses and they're just magnificent. So those are the things that the pressure cooker or the masters that I take a little time and make sure I pay attention to, to those things because in a lot of ways, that's the uniqueness of Augusta National for me. That and, and the brutal walk that it is. It, it's, it's the hardest walk of the year only, and I think right behind that is, is Muirfield Village, but it's a brutal walk. So you might as well look at something really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's great advice, because how many times are you told, like, for your wedding, like, make sure you take you know, time to step back and, and yeah. absorb the whole situation. Sure. It's nice that you take, take a second to literally stop and smell the roses. Yeah, and the left side of 10, uh, the, the bank, I mean, there's a wall of camellias. And, and if, if the bloom is just right, it's just ridiculous that um, you wouldn't take the chance to to just separate yourself for a, just a smidge. Who do you think wins? If Rom drives, I think it's hard to hard to take that away. But you know, Jordan Spieth is coming into his own, and if if Jordan can can pot a little bit and get by the demons at twelve, uh, you could have another green jacket on on his shoulders as well. There you go. There's Dottie Pepper's pick. Uh, and we're going to make sure we get this episode out before the Masters even hits. So when he wins, we can say, listen, Dottie Pepper said that. She right. told you guys. Dottie knows your stuff. This. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't want to keep, a, keep any more of your time because obviously I know you got stuff going on and there's only two minutes left in the Zoom. But in quick, it, quickly, like the World Golf Hall of Fame, what was that like seeing your name on that as a, non, as a finalist? Because um, I think you deserve it. I do. Oh, so I'm going to say that I hate that word deserve. I hope I've earned my spot onto the ballot, but this is the third time around. So maybe it's the third time's the charm. Love that. Yes, it is. There you go. And it's not, um, I would say it's not that it would change my life for one bit. It wouldn't, but I don't like to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's why third time's a charm. It's happening. It's happening. When I saw that come out, when I saw that was tweeted out, I'm like, Oh man, it is perfect time and we're going to get her on and next week it's going to happen and it's going to be like perfect. Well, Love it. My, my crazy friends are already planning, so I, I, I'm taking my hands off those wheels, but um, they're talking fingers and The announcement's crap. next week. I think it's, Correct? I think it's actually Monday. Mon- yeah, let's go. We'll let's go. Well, best of luck, Dottie. We're pulling for you. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, and I can't thank you enough for for being an unbelievable person and coming on here, giving us some time. So, again, I'll, I'll continue to push your book. I, I greatly thank appreciate you. everything. Thanks. I, I, I enjoyed this chat. Love it. Thank you very much, Dottie. I appreciate it. Take care, thank Dottie. You guys. See ya. Bye.